Welcome to the Velox Jumps podcast. This is Eric Poli, and we have another show of Chumps Talking Bikes. We made it to round two, guys. Great job. So nice. let's introduce the Velo Chumps. Mike Green, how you doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain. Ryan Brainer, what do you got going on today? Happy to be here. Awesome. Chad Locker, what do you got going on? Um, I might I might have to take back some of the words I said on the last podcast where I said I was never going to buy a set of Richie gravel grips, unfortunately. Yeah, because I, I think I bought... This is perfect. I think I bought the bike that goes with the gravel grips, so I think I feel compelled to buy gravel grips all of a sudden, and I feel the need to ride gravel all of a sudden on a wow. gravel that, bike. It's awesome. That is amazing. That's impressive, Chad. We'll get back to that in a second. If you remember from last time, there was another Velo Chump that couldn't made it, but we are happy to have to say, we're happy to say we have Randy Nice Wonger on the show today. I don't know if he normally pronounces the nice so emphatically like that, but I'm just referring back to the fact that Randy is the nicest Velo Chump of them all. So Randy, why don't you introduce yourself since you weren't here last time? Hey guys, uh, good to be here. Thanks, Eric. I'm really excited to join you guys on this discussion and really wanted to say how grateful I am for the introduction last time. Sorry, I missed it. And looking forward to having further conversations with you guys. Awesome. We are too. So, so Chad, you're going to uh, get some of these fancy gravel grips on your um, new Richie gravel bike? Uh, apparently. Apparently. I think I think Tom requires since I bought his anniversary. Oh, really? Like, I That's how it works? I think, it, I think it'll come with a packet with the frame set one day whenever I build it up that'll require me to put these weird gravel grips. That's on. awesome. Yeah. So you're going to give us an review on how great they are, Chad, is what you're saying. Apparently. It'll, it'll you're going to do some gravel descents and, and really make sure that grip is just, you know, really helping you on that gravel descent, right? Yeah, for all three of them I'll do on the bottom of those grips, because normally I'm on the hoods. But yes, yes, I will review, <laughs> I will review that's, gravel grips. That's awesome. Yes. But but uh, the Richie you do have, is is that on the trainer? It Okay, so there was some sort of weird weather anomaly occurring in Ohio here today, because it felt like, I don't know, the equator. It was 70 degrees, I was in summer kit, and I felt compelled to take the trainer bike off the trainer in case there were mushrooms growing on it because it's been in the basement for so long that it needed to see UV rays from the sun. So, no, it is not on the trainer right now. It was actually out today. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It was fantastic weather. That's a mistake. That's like Groundhog Day. Now we're screwed for the next six weeks. Exactly. Mike Green tried this a few weeks ago, and we had a ridiculous cold front. So thanks, Chad, for screwing it up for the rest of us. Also, we're not going to talk to you for like the next 10 minutes of the podcast because you rode, out, rode outside today, and the rest of us are stuck here in Chicago. <laughs> and it's wintertime, and that means there's indoor training going on. If any of you out there have ever traveled to Chicago in the wintertime, you probably came to the conclusion that you made a grave mistake in your travel planning. It is not a fun place to be here. So that means a lot of indoor training time. Now, I do want to clarify one thing. We Velo Chumps are not afraid to ride outside in bad conditions, okay? Randy, I want to ask you, in the last two years, what is your estimation of the number of times that you, myself, and Green nearly died on a ride solely due to weather conditions, be it wind or cold. 
You know, Eric, I, I think of enacting Rule 9 often, and we talk about Rule 9 on a fairly regular cadence. Sadly, I don't think I can count that many times that we've went out in undesirable conditions, probably against our better judgment um, and um, weathered, you know, pun totally intended, wow. this that, storm. That was terrible. That was anyway, terrible. The thing is, yeah. too, is it, it, going uh, going against the wind on those days, you know, it, 50% of your ride is horrible and the other 50% is fantastic. So I mean unless unless it was that one ride when we all thought we were going off the road multiple times and uh yeah. You know, Randy had the deep section wheels and the aero bike and you know, I was I was legitimately fearful for your right life, Randy. Well, let's talk about that quickly because I I seem to think that Mike is the instigator on us all riding and really poor weather conditions. Yep. I feel as though he kind of talked us into going out in that on that fateful day that you're just referencing. And, and honestly, we it's upright was not a option. It was 45 degrees. Oh, we ride. were definitely, we were definitely on a lean, right? Yeah. The whole ride. But here's the thing. The point is we don't mind riding outside in atrocious conditions, right? We don't mind, but you can only take so much of that. And in Chicago, I don't know about you, Chad, but for the rest of us in Chicago, we're doing indoor trainers. It's going to happen. You're going to spend time on the indoor trainer. And that we're going to get into that a little bit because Mike and Ryan, you guys are doing some specific training this year. And I wanted to ask you about that. What are you training for? Mike, take it off. What are you training for? Training for the ultimate mountain bike race, Leadville 100. The highest... Uh... The highest municipality in the in the country, I think, at ten thousand feet. How about you, Ryan? What are you training for? So Mike and I were lucky enough to be selected in the Leadville lottery. So I believe it is August twelfth. God, I can't even remember. August twelfth. Yep. Um, Mike and I will be in Leadville, starting above ten thousand feet, training for arguably one of the hardest mountain bike races in the world. And I am nervous. I'm excited. I'm scared. And I'm training harder than I've ever trained in my life. Nice. Mike, tell me about when you got the email that said you won the lottery and you were in, what went through your mind in the first 10 seconds of getting that email? Uh, it was, uh, absolute craziness. It was, uh, excitement and, uh, being overwhelmed all at the same time and, and a lot of, uh, nervous anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I was I was on a conference call and I saw a message come through from Jerry, who's on the uh, on the Team Grit uh, team for this Leadville, along with Dennis. And um, one of them mentioned, they said, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this! My heart is racing." And he sent a screenshot. And I, whatever conference call I was on, it was like it was on mute. I couldn't hear anything anymore <laughs> because I was I was reading this email and it was you know kind of like running around like Homer Simpson, like "Oh my god, oh my god!" So. Yeah, I was, uh, I think from that day on, that might have been around 10 a.m. or so, and uh, I didn't get much work done that day, because I think I was immediately looking at buying bike parts and uh, figuring out what I needed to do as, in terms of training and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the next seven months of my life. Nice. So you are you also training harder than you ever have before? I'm training more specific than I ever have before. Okay. And, All right, um, perfect. Yeah, the, the volume isn't quite there, but, uh, you know, four or five days a week are very uh, specific workouts with uh, big efforts. So it's rare to All go right. a day or two without sore legs. All right. So like I just said, we're here in Chicago. A lot of that training you're doing right now is going to be indoors. And 
that means you're on a physical trainer. So let me ask you, Ryan, what kind of trainer do you have? I have a kicker. Nice. Do you like it? I love it. You love it. Awesome. How about you, Mike? What kind of trainer do you have? I have a Wahoo kicker as well. I don't know if I love it, but it's decent. It's decent, you, but, but you like it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it gets okay. the job done. Well, here's the thing. I have a little bit of bad news for you, too, because Wahoo is in some kind of like financial trouble here. And if if your kickers go uh, belly up, I don't know if you're going to get the right support. You know what I mean? Um, but if you know, if I'm going to mention that, the whole Velo Trumps crew here, we're all Wahooligans, I guess, right? I mean, I'm riding on a kicker. I've got the axis feet on the kicker. I love them. Gives me a little bit of just a little bit of give where I can move a little bit in hard efforts. I got the kicker climb. It's fantastic. It gives me some additional, you know, positions. I'm not locked into the same the same spot for the entire ride. I don't think I could do the indoor training that I do without the Wahoo equipment I have. I love it. Um, Chad, I'm going to ask you, can you tell us about the multiple distinct Wahoo units you've had in your basement? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, let's okay. So I'm on kicker number three. I do have to give Wahoo some props for that. So my first okay. kicker apparently had some sort of warranty issue. It, this was in the middle of COVID. I was like, oh no, I'm done because I bought it right in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. They sent me a refurb unit in the middle of COVID, which worked great. It worked fine. I have to admit, when it did show up, it kind of looked like it had been rolled around in the back of a cement truck with a bunch of rocks. When I got it, it did look pretty bad. It worked. <laughs> it worked phenomenally though. I mean, it worked in. Zwift, which is all I kind of really cared about at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it did develop some sort of ticking, clicking noises. I sent them a video. Again, really great tech support. Um, and then, they, to my surprise, they did not send me another refurb. They exchanged oh. them and sent me a brand new kicker, which um, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they keep giving everyone new kickers. I don't I don't know. but it, it, Yeah, I don't know. It could be the problem. It, it's, it's, so the kicker number three has been fantastic thus far. I have it. I have it set up on a homemade, uh, like a rocker plate, because mm-hmm. I'm like you. I can't sit in the same position. Yep. Um, and then uh, Randy over there talked me kind of into the headwind, because he kept talking about how great the fan was. So yeah, hold I, on. I'm going to get to Randy in a minute here. Yeah, I know. So, so then I bought the so, fan. But, Pretty yeah, okay. So you got the fan. I got the fan. And then I think it was Green who told me if you get their desk, you mm-hmm. can flip the fan on the desk, and the desk had like rollerblade wheels, which I didn't know about, and... Now you can move the fan around and kind but of float on your. So I've got. It's a one, good design, right? It's a. I I think it's fantastic. So I've got yeah. yeah. So for something I wasn't like totally enamored with, I now have a lot of money in Wahoo sitting in my basement, yeah. which, I, which I don't like riding in my basement. But apparently, I've invested enough money in it. Right, and and Randy, now now you must be on a first name basis with the like Wahoo corporate, um, you know, the executive board over there. I mean, you're getting invited to their kids' graduations and stuff. Tell us why. What's going on with you over there with Wahoo? Yeah, I mean, their kids' graduations are, are a lot of fun. Uh, we do have group rides that we participate on, and you That's guys awesome. should probably do what I have done, and you'd be equally as welcomed in those situations as well. Well, I, I actually have um, – I, I slowly increased my Wahoo um, assimilation into the pain cave to a kicker bike. So I have invested in a kicker bike. I think that that was uh, – you know, it's one of those things that I just didn't want to have – despite having seven bikes, I just didn't want to have <laughs> one bike on the trainer. I know it's crazy. Seven of almost the same bike, but we'll get that's that's another podcast. But I think the important thing to understand about this is after I mean, I'm sorry, before Randy bought the kicker, he had owned every single Wahoo piece of training equipment that they 
ever made, ever released. He had it, and then he got rid of all that so he could get the bike. So that's why he's getting invited to the graduations. He's like customer number one with Wahoo. So obviously the Velo Chumps here, we're all on Wahoo equipment. We all like it. We're all depending on it for our training. But there's a little bit of a problem here. So back in September, the uh, S&P Global Ratings reduced their credit rating, their corporate credit rating. That was back in September. And then in January, they lowered it again. So now they're at a CCC minus credit rating. And uh, I'm just going to... There, this has been widely reported. This is not a new development, but it's been widely reported. I'm just going to put one quote from S&P here. It says, Wahoo's capital structure is unsustainable given its negative EBITDA and cash flow. So, Chad, can you tell me what that means? What's going on with Wahoo here? So, so EBITDA, that's earnings before interest, taxes, and amortization, which basically means they are negative, right? They have mm-hmm. no earnings coming in uh, once they kind of pay off everything. So that that's a bad place to be in. I don't know how they got into that position because I would assume everybody bought a kicker in the middle of the pandemic. I know how. Uh, or before. Randy stopped buying kicker stuff once he bought everything. So. <laughs> that, 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 that could be it because I do believe my desk came from Randy because I, I don't think it was his first desk either. I think it was like multiple <laughs> kicker desks. I mean, who has more than one Wahoo kicker desk? Like, I, I had you mean other than Randy? Setups. I had two full setups. I'm wow. not. I'm not bragging here. This was. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed by this whole conversation right now. I did, I did, I, Randy apparently thought they were going to have like a Wahoo China cabinet or something to go with it. So all your friends. I, yeah. I but anyway, that's where mine came from. So maybe if I'd have bought the desk from Wahoo, I maybe I could have helped them out. But, so in any case, what you just said, Chad, they're in bad shape. However, they got there. They got there, right? And we're all sitting here saying, you know, we like the stuff. We use the stuff. We depend on the stuff. We would like to see Wahoo do something. We would like to see them you know, energize the market again, because, you know, they brought some cool developments to the table. You know, the climb, I think, was a really cool development. And we would really like to see them energize it and, you know, disrupt the market. And just recently, they have released a new product, the Kicker Steer. What is going on with this thing? Ryan, you know anything about this Kicker Steer? Um. I think the the crickets after you announced mm-hmm. that is exactly what we're all thinking. Um, I mean, again, this story has been widely broadcasted, but they, you know, there's an, a feud between Zift, Zwift and Wahoo. So they immediately shot themselves in the foot because you can't use this product on Zwift. You can only use it on their training platform. Um, you can only use it with certain handlebars. Um I just I think the the limitations of it outweigh the benefits of it, and as one of the other chumps will bring up, I think it's at the wrong price point. Yeah, and real quick, I want to point out that as chumps, we're not doing tech reviews here because even Randy, I I confirmed this with him earlier. Even Randy, customer number one for Wahoo, did not get an advanced copy of this thing to review before it went live. So we're not we're not speaking from experience here. We're only talking about what we saw in other, you know, cycling media, what we saw on Wahoo's own webpage. But I don't know. I don't know if this is the thing. Does anyone here think this is the thing that's going to turn Wahoo around and get them back on track to financial stability? What do you think, Randy? Yeah, I don't think so. You know, the one the one luxury about having the kicker bike and 
and uh, have it on Zwift is I can directionally steer my bike already. And I will tell you, if I'm going up the Alps, I'm not thinking about steering my bike. I'm thinking about throwing down watts and surviving, catching the, you know, catching your wheel heading up the Alps. So mm-hmm. that's all I can think about. So I'm, I'm not necessarily an adopter of, of this technology, nor do I think it's actually really good for the ecosystem of Wahoo. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be interested in this because I don't see the perceived benefits of being able to play a video game while you're trying to throw down a workout. Maybe that's just it. It's not for the people trying to do the workout. Maybe it's for the video gamers just trying to be a little bit healthier than, than the average video gamer. Well, I definitely agree. As a medical professional, you always are concerned about blood stagnation and DVTs. This is a perfect <laughs> way of being able to mitigate that. <laughs> so but mike that being said do you think if wahoo do you think their business strategy is to go after the people that aren't into cycling and get gamers into riding their rgt system i don't know what they were going after the fact of the matter is i don't think it's as bad as you guys do i think the price point is way off but i don't necessarily think this was put out there to save the business i think this was probably something it's probably always in the works um, and maybe it's just a coincidence that it came out when they had this horrible credit rating come out. But yeah, it's for the most part, I'd say the majority of people actually using their Wahoo kicker for serious cycling probably don't give a crap about steering. I mean, I will say that, so, so here's the problem. I will say that I read a review from DC Rainmaker that said the thing works really well in rgt races and it allows you to get a good line in rgt races and quick question poll now you're gonna have to remember the audience can't see you don't raise your hand but how many of us on here have done a zwift race i have i have five five five. so we all have how many of us on here have done an rgt race not me can't say i have nope so that's a zero for five so, how many of us have you ever done a ride on RGT? I have. When they had, I like, have as well. They had like the free trial. I gave. I did one. I gave it a go, and I have to say it was brutal compared to Zwift because it was a little too real in my opinion. But hey, whatever. It was okay. I didn't hate the RGT world. But what's the one problem you had with the RGT world? Uh, I know what mine was. What was yours, Eric? So my problem with the RGT world is that there were no other real people out there, and. The, the thing that it freaked me out, I was riding along and there was all these bots around me, which is fine. I understand. I even think Zwift did that in the beginning, right? But there was all these bots around me. And I wouldn't say I was going particularly fast, but I was riding along and I passed one of these bots. And the bot jumped on my wheel. And then, no matter what I did for the remainder of the ride... I could throw down, you know, 500, 600 watts to try to shake them off. They responded. I went slow. They didn't go around me. It was like having, you know, a, the most annoying wheel sucker just stay on your wheel the whole time. I was like, what? What? Who's programming this? This sounds is ridiculous. like your normal outside rides, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that with, guy. With, yeah. <laughs> the bot was named our, our nice wonger. Uh, yeah. That guy. The, here. Here's the problem, though. I couldn't drop the bot, you know, in real life, I can generally get the people away if I need to, but this is not happening. It was very disconcerting. It, 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 it kind of freaked me out and I didn't get back on the, on the program, you know, but I think that's one of the problems is you're right, Chad. In my opinion, it's not a terrible world. There's just no one on it. Everybody's already on Zwift. 
Yeah, and I, and I kind of have to agree with Green. When you look at the product, and for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's kind of like, I, I don't know what you want to call it. It's like a GPS mount, a smartphone planner. holder, smartphone holder thing that you can, when you're in the drops or in your hoods, I you can tilt this thing and use it kind of like directional arrows to move your video game self, your avatar, in line behind another person to draft. That's like one of the things you can do. You can also, Randy, because he has the, the Wahoo bike, because he goes to their child's graduations and stuff, he can already use buttons to kind of move himself in line. But this was for the folks like Ryan and I who literally bought the base model kicker thing, right? We have the kicker core or whatever that's called, the, the base model. So we don't have buttons. I also don't have a, a laptop. If you have a laptop, I believe, in RGT, you can use laptop keyboard functions to kind of move, toggle your character around. Again, I'm using Apple TV. So that's not available to me. So what I think this was for, and if you look at where Wahoo really got big and why Eric probably has the climb was Zwift, right? It was, mm-hmm. that, you, it, you, and that's the only reason I bought a Kicker Core, right? It was like the Kicker was the brand to buy. It had name recognition. I figured, okay, I'm going to go with the biggest guy who makes the thing I need to Zwift. And it was just to ride with you guys because we all have our headphones on and we probably look ridiculous when we do a group ride on a Saturday morning because we look just like, high school kids or college kids on an Xbox because we're all on Discord. Yep. Sweating to death in the basement, middle-aged men in Lycra giving each other crap. It's, it's kind of hilarious. I'm sure if someone were to film the five of us doing it, but nonetheless, that Breathing was... Breathing heavy into mics. Breathing heavy into the microphone. That's <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Before we figured out how to mute, but yeah. yeah. But that was why, again, that was why we all bought this thing, right? It was so we could play in this kind of grown-ups video game. At least that's one of the yep. main reasons I bought it. And it had... Yep. It had, there were other people who make this product, but this had the name recognition. So that was a big reason. So, you know, Chad, I would want you to just expound on one thing. You, you mentioned you wanted to get this thing on Zwift. And I feel like anyway that Wahoo and Zwift were symbiotic in a sense, right? And there was a lot going on with the Zwift world that Wahoo sort of provided. And it's almost like it was the, the climb was almost made for Zwift at the time when it came out. And now, you know, Ryan mentioned earlier, there's this lawsuit between them. Now they're not working together. So, I mean, don't you feel like there might be some lost opportunity there with this whole Zwift-Wahoo feud? Well, let's also state why there's the feud, right? Zwift came out with their own version of kind of basically the kicker core. They call it the Zwift Hub. They didn't actually make it. They've rebranded somebody else's device, and it's theorized. I, I have no proof of this, that they're kind of probably selling it as a at a break-even point or maybe even a loss just to get a, anyone who didn't buy one of these trainers probably the cheapest avenue possible to get into the Zwift world. Because you can do it without a powered trainer, but it's just not quite the same. Yes, but... So you, so you have to kind of wonder, was who was, who was more nervous, Zwift or wahoo and did zwift do this because you know let's let's face it the cheapest version of the kicker core if you didn't buy a refurb i think it's like 900 bucks is retail for this thing that is not a small barrier to go buy another device to ride your bike in your basement on a video game but remember guys wahoo bought the sufferfest and then they bought rgt and almost positioned themselves as a competitor to Zwift prior to Zwift bringing the, whatever, the Zwift hub to market. So did Wahoo 
in a sense, shoot themselves in the foot by starting this feud with Zwift versus just working together with Zwift at the things that they're good at, each each brand. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Trainers are not necessarily the easiest thing to make a reliable one that lasts for years and years and years. We don't know about these Zwift hubs yet. They might all go belly up after a year, year and a half of heavy use. I mean, it's possible that these things aren't that good. And then we're going to have a situation where you have two potentially fledgling companies where Zwift is struggling because they're over-leveraged with bad trainers and Wahoo is potentially struggling because they're over-leveraged with bad software. So, I mean, I guess from my perspective, why can't us cyclists just have two companies that are giving us what we want instead of working together to give us what we want instead of two companies fighting each other and we don't get what we need? It's a fair point, too, right? I mean, when Zwift started, because Zwift is not that old. I don't know if someone knows the start date of Zwift. Was it 2012 or somewhere in there? It wasn't that long. And I think Zwift almost came about right around the same time that Wahoo had the kicker, right? I think the two almost needed to go hand Mm -hmm. in hand to make that thing work, right? And so the first time I had ever heard of basically Zwift, the environment, the game, was because of Wahoo had what, Kicker Gen 1 or Kicker Gen 2? Mm -hmm was making the rounds. And so it was like, okay, you got to buy this thing and you do this thing. And that looks really cool. So I, I don't know. And if at some point one thought, okay, I don't need the other one. I'm going to make it go on my own. You know, I, I sit here and I think about this. It's like you have a, you have Wahoo with a core business that's really hardware based and you have Zwift with a mm-hmm. core business of software based. Right. But it's, it's, it's not uncommon to see these, you know, type of companies not play nice in the sandbox. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to geek out a little bit. You guys are going to laugh. But you know, you look at Fortnite and Apple, right? You can't play Fortnite on Apple products any longer, right? They there's been a feud going on in courts for months now because of some disagreements on how you get Fortnite dollars off of the, you know, the native Apple app or whatever. And so I think that this is something that is not uncommon in these industries, but to the global point, like what happens if you can't use Wahoo Kicker on Zwift? And is that is that something that could be something on the horizon for us to to think oh, through and man. consider? Well, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Because let me bring this point up. You know, we were all, or most of us anyway, were using at some point Wahoo's system. I was using the Sufferfest before Wahoo bought them. I thought the Sufferfest was a really good thing. I enjoyed the training platform. Then Wahoo buys it because they're trying to get into this subscription-based service. They're trying to diversify their market, not focus on necessarily what they're good at. And the funny thing is, a lot of us were using system. And at this moment, right now, how many of us are using Wahoo's product, Wahoo's training product system? Anybody? Nope. Nope. That's a no across no. the board. So we all we all gave it up. I so, never, never started with it, to be fair. Okay. But again, well, then, okay. So, not only you, we have the rest of us got off of it, Chad never even started with it. So, now we're in a situation where Wahoo, that is trying to go outside of their fundamental core range of making fantastic hardware, they tried to do diversify and do this other stuff. And I just don't see it working out. I mean, Mike, maybe you can tell me a little bit personally about you were on system last year and now you're doing something else. And, and what how did that go down? Uh, you know, I, I've used the uh, trainer road before 
before I was on Zwift, moved over to Zwift, played around with that and a couple other tools or apps maybe. And then, um, you know, I saw that uh, Sufferfest was gaining some traction. So I tried that out. And this year when I started looking back into training programs for Leadville, I just felt like there was more of a comprehensive coached approach. And, you know, like was pointed out recently by Ryan is, you know, the videos on system are actually kind of, they're old. They haven't been, they don't update those on a regular basis. Whereas it feels like the trainer road tool itself is just being, you know, it's being updated regularly. They talk about new releases that they're, that they have on the horizon. So I think it seems like it's a much more active product compared to, to system and suffer fest. Okay. How about you, Ryan? Um, yeah. So I think Mike made a lot of good points, but, um, one thing is system I don't think is a bad product. It's a very good product and I got much stronger last year using it. I feel like to, I don't know how to put it into words, but trainer road seems like a more lively atmosphere. Like there's constant updates, there's constant feedback. They're always tweaking things, improving things and specifically training for Leadville. Um, a lot of the guys at trainer road have done Leadville and they have a kind of specific plan built into this, the software. It's not named Leadville, but it's essentially geared, to, like when I, I reached out to their customer support recently and just flat out asked, like, I got into Leadville, what should I do? And they gave me build phase one, build phase two, especially phase one. And they said, this is the plan that we use to train for Leadville. So if I get this like once in a lifetime opportunity, and I know that people making the plans also did Leadville, I trust that 100%. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're both saying that you feel like Trainer Road is putting maybe a little bit more effort into the details of the training and making it constantly improving the training and making it a better training product where that's what they do, right? Well, Wahoo's trying to make system, they're trying to make RGT, they're trying to make hardware, you know, and I'll tell you that last year I, well, two years ago I was using Sufferfest, and I will tell you, I loved using it two years ago. I'm a racing fan, I'm a road racing fan. The way they use the race footage I think is very innovative, it's hilarious. I've said this before, I almost feel like I almost, almost, not quite, but almost might even watch those videos, not even while I was training, just because they're that entertaining. And I just loved it. I was engaged. I'm not the kind of person that can watch Netflix. I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit there and watch a movie while I'm doing my workout. I want to be engaged in my workout. And these these videos were engaging. And when it was time to do an effort, there was an effort in the video. It was a story. It was so cool. And then I did System last year. And then by like the 27th time I did Power Station, I was like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. This isn't engaging anymore. This really isn't like, you know, getting my juices flowing here. I know this story. I've seen it 27 times now. And it's just not, it wasn't what I, what I needed. Now, I will also say that I did move on to getting actual real coaches, which isn't really a competitor to either Trainer Road or Wahoo or Zwift Workouts or any of these things because the... You know, the real coaching is like at a different level. And I want to give a quick shout out to my two coaches, Kylie Speary and Ethan Overson. These two are amazing to work with. They're so supportive, but at the same time, I feel accountable to them. And it really enhances my training. Also, of course, having real coaches, they're giving you feedback. They're giving you advice. So it's just, it's, 
it's worth doing if you want to really step up your training to the next level, and I would recommend it. So if you want to check these two out, their website is ecosystemcoaching.com. That's ecosystemcoaching.com. Give them a look. Now, I know, Chad, you're on Trainer Road now. Randy, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to get back on to a training program here shortly because you, we know you need it. But, um, Chad, what what do you think? I mean, you were not even on a training program, and you jumped on to Trainer Road versus what Wahoo's offerings are. Yeah, and I, and I had used Trainer Road prior to Zwift because it worked really well if you had a fluid trainer back back in the day, so that was great. Um, and I'll be honest, the only reason I got back on Trainer Road now is I, I had a pre-existing account. They let me turn it back on. And then Mike and Ryan are on it, so I can get on with the massive 75 watts that I can produce. <laughs> and if there's ever a workout where I can actually have higher numbers than them, I can, you know, razz them for a whole yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah, that, that's worth on. it. So I think worth it is it. worth pointing out that Trainer Road probably is a little more amusing to this group when there's more of us kind of competing on it. I mean, they're training for something wholly different, right? Something totally cool, Leadville, and I'm just on it to mock them, really is what it comes to. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great. I wanted to step back for a minute. We talked about Wahoo being, uh, you know, trying to possibly work with Zwift in the in the past to to build the two products together, but you've got the the, the tax Neo and all of the the tax models mm-hmm. of uh, smart trainers. You've got Cirrus, and then you've got Elite, and you probably have some more out there. And most of those have been out for three or four years. So, granted, Wahoo was around for a very long time, where they started it all. But were they even, you know, were they ever even in the mix as far as offering something to Zwift when all of a sudden you had the Tax Neo and the Cirrus and all these other trainers coming out? You know, at some point in time, Zwift probably said, we got our, our pick of the litter. Or we, you know, we've got the, the best app. Everybody wants us, so we're not going to team up with you. I mean, maybe, but also those other brands you just mentioned aren't in some sort of like high profile feud with Zwift either. You know, and, you know, frankly, I think that Wahoo does a great job and I really just want them to focus on making good indoor training products that are going to help me when I need to train inside. And I just hope they're better than this stupid steer thing that I have zero intention of buying, you know? Yeah, it seems like a Hail Mary to me. It really does. I mean, look, we know they're in trouble. We know their capital structure is not sustainable. You know, I think that they nailed it. They had really good tech support. They nailed it with the direct drive trainer, Axis mm-hmm. feet. You know, they nailed it with the desk that can move the, the, the headwind. The headwind can, you know, adjust speed velocity based off of heart rate or elevation. All of that in the climb, you know, made a more realistic, you know, um, experience. But I think when you get to the steer, it just it's just a Hail Mary. You know, it, it almost is though they're putting throwing spaghetti at the wall, see, see, seeing what's going to stick in order for people to switch over to their own software platform. You know, and I, I just don't think it's I don't think it's in their core book of business. You know, they should stick to what they're really good at. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to just harp on Wahoo the entire show. So we're going to move on to something else. But basically, Wahoo, stop making the software. It sucks. Let's just put it like that. So quickly, we're talking about, you know, them going to uh, trying to use this baffling device to entice people into their subscription program. There was another subscription program that uh, was making waves in the news lately. And I want to ask you guys about it. So Strava 
which we mentioned in the first episode, we're all on, and I'm we're, we're all subscribing to Strava. It's raising its subscription price, at least in the U.S., from $59.99 to $79.99 a year. And I know in other countries there is a similar jump happening. So, so what do you think, guys? Is are any of you out there going to cancel your uh, Strava subscription? I think Mike, you might have said you had some questions about what am I getting for this twenty bucks? Yeah, you know, I thought about it, and I think um, just the ability to make routes with the Strava, uh, you know, create route feature, mm-hmm. I think is really worth it. You get to follow. Uh, or it makes use of the what the global mapping of, of yep. other users' rides, which, you know, if, if you have a, a ton of people riding in a certain area, they're going to take the roads that are a little bit better for cyclists. And if you build a route, you don't have to worry about picking and choosing the, the good roads. It's going to figure it out for you. So after I had brought it to, to your guys' attention and, and I thought about it myself, I thought, yeah, you know, I, there's really no reason for me to, to not pay the 75 bucks a year for it based on the quantity of routes that we've built in the past. Mm-hmm. If you travel and you take your bike or rent a bike when you travel, that $20 increase doesn't matter. Like it is so worth the route planning and heat mapping to find good rides, safe rides, fun rides, beautiful rides amongst many, many other things that I think the subscription service gives you. Um, but we were talking in like our group chat or whatever, I don't think so we don't need to necessarily get into the specifics of how much money we all have wrapped up in the bike game, but people are complaining about a $20 increase in price. Meanwhile, they have like, look at these bike prices. People are buying $8,000 ethos experts, but then complaining about a $20 increase, like shut up. Like (laughs) just you, like you can do route planning, you can do segment finding, you can do, and I Mm -hmm. mean, I don't know, obviously not everyone lives where we live, but we often, we are uh, bike tourists in our own community and we will Mm -hmm. ride to breakfast stop A, coffee shop B, um, sometimes brewery C or whatever. And to sometimes to be able to find those. It's like weekly. What are you talking about? (laughs) Usually it's, it's brewery a followed by a curd place with drinks. B. Yeah. I mean, come on, get it together here. Although I will, I guess this year, Mike said that's canceled due to Leadville, but we'll, we'll see how that lasts. But But uh, I mean, you're buying $80 tires. You're buying $7,000 bikes. You're buying what, like we said last week, $530 Raffa jacket. I mean, none of us are buying that. You're buying your second um, Richie. Yeah, yeah Chad just bought a new machine. bike. Are you uh, are are you gonna cancel your Strava subscription to offset the cost of that bike, Chad? Ooh, that, that that's a that, that's a hard no. But that's when you know <laughs> I mentioned you know we started talking about this, and I think we were all kind of like riled up for a little bit. I'm not gonna name names, but there, there were like folks on the internet that were like acting as if they had just discovered you know the Watergate papers about this <laughs> increase in Strava. And then when you look at it, it's like it's two bucks a month. It's not even two dollars a month is what they raised the price. I'm like, I think I just got something to mail either Netflix or Sirius XM or whatever. I mean, they raise it a dollar a month, I think every six months. And I still haven't canceled that either. So, you know, I check Strava on my Fair enough. probably five times a day. It's like, mm-hmm. what are we at? What are we, six bucks a month now with them? Seven bucks a month, whatever it is for, for Strava. It's like, yeah, I use it enough. It's worth it. I Who's blowing this out of proportion? It's like, yeah, just shut up and pay your money. I, I know you guys are aligning with, you know, with the, the pay increase, but from my perspective, it's a 36% increase, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
to me, with inflation and price changes and all that stuff, I realized that. But that's a significant jump, a one-time hit. I'm, this is not incremental. This was this was almost you know half of what they were currently asking for. And I can't imagine that their internal price structure, which is static for the most part, went up 36%. Yeah, it didn't, obviously. Well, but They allowed us to upload videos last year, and they never charged us for it, Randy. <laughs> right. But, I mean, this is a this this is this is opportunistic behavior from this company, is what it I is. think. So, and, yeah. and I think, Randy, your, your point is valid. It's not the 20 bucks that people are upset about. A, they're upset about what you just mentioned, that it doesn't make sense. B, they're upset about the way that um, Strava rolled it out, which was terrible. And their and apology was to the even point, worse. Yeah, the point that they even had to apologize. I mean, how stupid. I think the frustrating thing for me, the frustrating thing for me about all of this, if we wrap up a little bit of the different conversations we were having, is that it seems like these bike companies are stupid when it comes to business. You have Strava, terrible communication with a nonsensical increase. They could have been better about increasing it over time and nobody would have complained if they would have done it like Netflix, which is a better business or a little bit more business savvy. You know, if Wahoo and Zwift weren't who are should be symbiotic growing together, growing the businesses together, they're instead locked in a lawsuit. I mean, we're talking about the industry companies that we we rely on for our hobby. They all seem like idiots. It's just it's just disconcerting. You know, it really is. But. You know, I do want to mention one thing about Strava because you all kind of give your, your piece and I am definitely not going to give up my Strava unless the thing that's important to me about Strava is as long as the majority of cyclists are using it, even if they're using the free, like Mike was saying, and they're getting on the um, heat maps and creating the data, that's where it brings the value to me. I could care less about the stats. You can get the stats from anywhere. I mean, even the, the Garmin basic thing can give you 99% of what Zwift can. But to me, it's the social element. I mean, you mean I know Strava. you guys don't... You said Zwift. You mean Strava. Oh, sorry. I mean, yes, exactly. I mean Strava. Strava, believe it or not, you guys might not realize this, but all of you on the podcast right now, in a roundabout way, I met all of you through Strava. So when I first moved to the area... Chad started commenting on a few of my rides. This is when he still lived here and not in the tropical Ohio, you know, tropical. area he lives now. Northeast but, Ohio, so tropical. Thank you. Yeah, he started commenting on some of my rides. We ended up meeting for a ride, you know, then we started riding. That's how I Chris met Schauble, you guys too. Yeah, Chris Schauble saw my Strava, was making some comments. He eventually invited me to the Let's Ride Lincoln Way group, which is where I ended up meeting all of you, which is where Ryan ended up. So really Strava, in a sense created the uh, opportunity for all of us to get to know each other. And that's the sort of thing that values to me that of course, and the stocking that's super important, right guys? So I do want to mention one quick thing about the Velo chumps. Now, Chad is not part of this because he, again, he moved to the tropical region that he lives in, but the rest of the um, Velo chumps that are here, I'm not going to say that first of all, where we live is not exactly a cyclist's, you know, it's not cyclist heavy. It's not like we're in downtown Chicago. So let's make that clear. And I'm not also going to say that we have all the KOMs in the area. That's not what I'm going to say either. But we do have a collection of KOMs. And the way that we work as a group is we could take each other's KOMs all day as long as it stays in the family. Not a big deal. But as soon as someone takes one of our KOMs, one of the rest of us is going to defend that and go out and get it. I think 
Ryan, wasn't I was I don't know if our, I had COVID or I was somewhere and someone took one of my KOMs. Unofficial rule was originally when I met you guys. The unofficial rule was we will get it back in twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty four yeah. hours. Right. hours. And then, so someone took one of mine. I called you guys up. I wasn't able to ride. I was like, hey, can one of you go get this? Ryan goes out the next day, gets it back. So that's how we operate, right? So and it's not just to be clear. It is not a. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to. We're not getting these KOMs. It's like an internal game, like a mental game we play with each other, and it's yeah. fun. It's by no means meant to like be a jerk about it and like pretentious about it. And no, I like, mean maybe not for you, but I mean for for us, the rest <laughs> of us, it is. We're we're just trying to take people's KOMs. We're just trying, you know, just trying to represent. But you know, but anyway, the point is, we're out here riding. Generally, people aren't taking our KOMs that often, and then. I feel like Randy has to tell the story. Well, well, here's the point. Let me set this up. We started noticing this one guy started showing up <laughs> on rides that none of us knew who this guy was. And Mike, you know, Mike is the guy that's really, he's really into the websites. And he's, I, he's I'm not going to say he's a stalker, but he knows what's going on on Strava. Let's just put it that way, right? So Mike's like, hey, have you guys seen this guy? He knows all about him. He knows about his tendencies, right? So there's this guy, right? He shows up. We don't know who he is, but we're like, you know, whatever. And, uh... Lo and behold, one day, I think he took one of Randy's KOMs. He and did, and I, it was it was heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there was actually more to this story that I didn't know, but I, I don't remember what happened. If it was he took, he he kind of showed up and he started taking some segments here and there, maybe not ours, and we were kind of like, who is this guy? Who's this guy that's coming into our territory, right? I mean, that's how we were feeling. So he he lives in the same town as Randy. Yeah. So Randy was like the target, and he started nipping off some of Randy's KOMs, and Mike started taking notice. Yep. So chumps are on high alert. Yep. Yeah. So then, so then, we decided it was like the Godfather. You know, they hit us, we hit them back. We decided we're gonna hit this guy back, right? So everyone had a role in this. So, so. I'm going to start off with Mike because Mike, Mike was the the mastermind of all of it from the beginning. Oh, I so Mike, tell fifth. us about that. <laughs> Come on, man. This is true. No, this no. is true. Mike, this is Mike knew the story. Mike Look. knew the bike. Mike knew the bike. He knew the wheel set. He knew everything about this particular so, person that was taken. That took so this here's the other on. thing. Mike was the Mike's the route guy of our group. He figured out a route that would work well to maximize. The KOM hunting, right? So we were targeting, I think we were targeting six KOMs in so one I, ride, right? This is but, another reason to pay for Strava is you can find that person, find the segments they own. Exactly. And then Mike created a route to go steal as many of the, of this guy's segments in one now, ride as possible. Now, another thing I do want to mention quickly is that in our area, the only way you get KOMs is wind assisted, Okay. Very, very much wind assist in our area. But the wind was strong in one direction, and Mike was able to identify. Not only was Mike able to identify the specific KOMs we should go after, Mike did a recon ride in the morning. <laughs> right, Mike? I, I don't remember this too clearly, but I, I Come guess. Come on, man. <laughs> would, you, right. <laughs> would you get with the program here? You Mike, definitely we're going to put the text messages oh on my the God. We're going to put the text messages in exactly. the comments. <laughs> exactly. So Mike, I, I Mike does a recon, recon ride, right? So then it was Randy, Ryan, myself. We go out to do the actual ride. So, so Ryan, start us off. How did the ride start off? 
Um, I think it started off with a southbound segment, which was not wind assisted. And so we, so the three of us went out in a train. Um, we, we actually, I remember there was a red light. And so we sat there and waited for like three minutes <laughs> yep. to, t- to time the light yep. so we could hit it just right. And we ended up like going out in a pace line. We were way ahead. And so we even, we let up like 30 seconds before the end of the segment to save ourselves for the big effort coming up, which for was the, like yeah. five segments or six segments in a row, whatever it yep. was. So then, then we get to another segment and <clears throat> this one was a little bit, I think it was maybe like two miles. It wasn't a short segment by any stretch. It was going to take a little while. So I remember there, there was one before that segment. No, 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 no. This, don't worry. I'm going to tell this was, this was early on. I'm not getting to the, to the really good one yet. So it was run early on where I took the front of the pace line. I took the first turn. Cause this was going to be a multiple turn uh, effort. Right. So I took the first turn and then I rotated around to the back. Randy's in the front now. And we start riding up, and there's a truck on the street riding I forgot in the this. same direction of us, and we're gaining on this thing. And Randy kind of looks back, and I'm like, and I, you know, I, I was pretty, pretty vocal and pretty direct. I'm like, Randy, you gotta pass this guy. That's actually not what I said. I used much more colorful language. There was much more colorful language. But, so the three of us passed the truck. And go on, rotate through a few times, and go on and take the segment. Now, I can't even remember which one of us took it, because that wasn't important. It was just that we were going to take the segments from this person that took the segment from Randy. So then, Randy, tell us about what happened later in the ride. Well, I mean, I think the next one was that east-west segment, if I'm not mistaken. And that was a, that was quite a long one. I think there were two-mile-long mm-hmm. two, two long segments. The the one that I remember, and I, and I think I actually took that segment, was when you were yelling at me to to pass the truck. Yeah, uh, that's the one I remember most vividly because that was that was insane. <laughs> I think we should non wind assisted. How, how ridiculous we are! So before this, I think it was four segments in a row. It was like, you know, in the farm world of where we're at in suburbia Chicago, it's like one, it's usually one mile segments. So it's like a mile segment, a mile segment, and then a two mile segment. We stop, we pee, Mm -hmm. we, we, we like try to empty our water bottles. We're like, let's make this happen. Yeah. Well, you got to remember Eric, Eric, and uh, we have to make sure we set the scene on this. Eric had all arrow socks. He had his arrow Jersey. He had his arrow bottles. In fact, at one point, I think I had to carry one of his well, bottles. Yeah, Ryan, tell we'll, that part we'll, of the story. Well, we'll get to that because that's the last segment. That was the last. And, no, second yeah. from last. Second yeah. from last, yeah. Yeah. And so one of the, the favorite parts about this partic- particular segment for me is they all kind of blend together. And we like we know these roads like the back of our hand, but we're approaching like so we're going east to west. We're approaching a pretty major road that goes north to south. And Eric thinks that's the end of the segment, and it's not. And so Eric can drop me in a heartbeat if he wanted to. And we're like, we're hammering. At this point, Randy, we had dropped you. I you dropped me. But <laughs> I was gone. Um, I, I passed hammering. the truck. Yeah. yeah. We are hammering. We are way ahead of the segment, and we're making it happen. And Eric just like stops. And or he doesn't stop, but he like totally lets up. And I'm like, what is, what is happening? Like, I need you. Like, come back up here with me. And he thought that that crossroad was the end of the segment, and it wasn't. So then I was solo for like 
I don't know how, whatever the last portion of the segment was and we made it happen, but I had burnt some matches. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so then, you know, this story is getting kind of long, but just tell Ryan, tell about the, the, the second to last segment, that one. Cause I like how you tell that story. Well, so it was uh, not that it matters for anyone listening, but it was northbound. It was not wind assisted. Matter of fact, it was maybe slightly headwind. And we knew on the heels of these other things that it was not going to be simple. Eric's the stronger rider out of all of us. So we all stop. We like regroup. Eric (laughs) hands his bottles to Randy and is like, you got to take these. (laughs) And it's also, we need to mention the part where, so Randy had Mm -hmm. a segment. This guy took it on like, let's just say like Randy had it. This guy took it on a Tuesday. Randy went and got it, uh, got it back on like a Wednesday. And then this guy took it back on a Thursday and Eric didn't know this. So Eric's like, yeah, yeah, let's get this segment. You know, let's try to get as many as we can. Like, you know, this would be fun, fun ride, like good little challenge. Um, so Randy's like, oh yeah, like I got it. And then he had it and then he got it back. And this all happened in like three days. And Eric's like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't know. Like, he just thought this guy took it from Randy once. So then once he found out that it was like tit for tat three days in a row, Eric's like, oh, it's on. <laughs> and so he hands Randy his bottles. He like, sh- like again, arrow jersey, arrow bike, arrow socks, arrow everything. Like Empty the had, bladder. Yeah, empty the <laughs> bladder. Um, and this was not an easy segment. There's some pitchy hills in it. And I lead Eric out the best I can. And this is probably, I mean, I have no idea, but if I look back at my data, that is probably my (laughs) best like 30 second power or whatever I've ever had in my life. And I thought there's no way in hell. And Eric dropped me like a, I don't know, like it was, I don't even know how to explain it. (laughs) Eric dropped me harder than I've ever been dropped in my life and ended up getting that segment with no assistance whatsoever. And I've never seen Eric that angry in my life. <laughs> Look, and I was defending you, Randy. I was so bad that someone stole your segment back from you after you re- reclaimed it. So I, I was, I was, you know, it was all out of love for you, Randy. All, yeah, all no, for grateful. Strava pride. And, and and I think the important thing about this whole story, and you know, it's getting very long now, but. The whole point of this is we're, we're obviously having fun telling this. And the whole point of it is that none of it would have happened without Strava. So for me, that extra $20 is totally worth having this kind of a story to talk about with friends. So KB, if you're out there, man, if you're out there listening, <laughs> we love you. you next, yeah. next Nothing several love, beers man. are on us, man. The, the the best thing about this story is we we did meet up with this guy through Strava. Mike made a comment on one of his rides. We met up with this guy, and I'm going to tell you something. If this guy, if KB was on the Velo Chumps podcast, he would challenge Randy for the nicest Velo Chump of them all. This guy is incredibly, incredibly super nice, and we just went out and said we're going to just snag all this guy's KOMs in one night. So, yeah, man, we owe you a few beers, KB, if you're listening to this show. And yeah, now he's and, like one of our best friends and best writing buddies. Yep. And, and he's a great guy. Right. And you know what? It almost made me feel guilty. It almost did. <laughs> almost. For a second. He took my, K- he took my KOM though. <laughs> but know, again, it, again, this is what Strava brings to the table. It's the social element. It's It makes it fun. It makes cycling fun. And I really hope people stick with it because if we all go our different ways and just care about the data and we don't have this sort of, you know, exciting story to look back on. And, and now we're going to get to share a few beers with KB that we will have to pay for. 
you know, it's all worth it in the end. That's what cycling is about. It's just about having as much fun as you can because none of us here, again, we're all chumps. None of us out here are doing anything, anything special with bikes other than just riding and having fun. KB, we owe you. And we, we, he was such, he's such a nice guy. We never told him this story. This yeah, is he, the way yeah, he, this is what, this is how he hears on the Velo Chumps pod. That's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, guys, we're running kind of long. So we're getting down, down to the wire here. We're always ending the episode Mike with the Mike factoid. Green cycling factoid. So, well, Mike. Before you get to his factoid, I just want to know, Randy, will you be as passionate as you are about the Strava price increase as you will be about our user base for this podcast increase? Because the tens of 11 people we have today listening to this, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see how excited you are next week. I know. If, if we increase our, view, our listenership by 36%, We'll get an extra person. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I was. I, I did some calculations earlier, Chad. If if you cancel your Strava membership after about 113 years, you'll be able to pay off the the new Richie. <laughs> <laughs> nice that cash you saved, man. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. So, but you got to add 14.95 for the bar condoms. Oh yeah, Which yeah, I, yeah. I also have a set on the way, mostly to spite Chad. I wanted to try them out awesome. and hopefully tell him that they were amazing. Awesome. I think, I think less of both of you. <laughs> All right. So what do you got, Mike Green? We're on to the Mike Green factoid. We're wrapping it up. So, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge is made of uh, cables that are composed of small wires. And in each cable, there's 27,572 wires. But okay. factoid of the day is that a single spoke from your bike wheel is stronger, has more tensile strength than one of those wires in the Golden Gate Bridge. Is that true, Mike? I mean, it could be, but <laughs> we need we need Chad to check that. I know. Chad, All right, Chad, let's do a fact check here, Chad. How close to reality do you think that is being the resident metallurgist of our group? What I really want to know is, did Mike Green corroborate this with the PhD mathematician Jason Statham? <laughs> I did. I did. His his kick is actually stronger than the whole cable on the bridge. Wow. So, yeah. That's awesome, Mike. Fantastic. Good work. Good work as usual. So yeah. guys, we're going to sign off here in a minute, but being our first show last time, we were just excited to get the thing done. We forgot a few things. So at the end of the show, typically on a podcast, what you would hear is things like if you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating, hopefully a good one. And, you know, and tell your friends well, about the show. We got to yeah. grow the audience here. We would really appreciate it. Another quick thing. We're going to give a shout out to uh, Nancy Locker. She made the fantastic intro that you heard in the beginning and the super cool outro that you should be hearing right about now. So thanks to Nancy. Tell her we said thanks, Chad. Thank you. We will, we will see all of you next week. Good job, guys. Next week, guys. Hey, have you even been listening to what I've been saying? I've been talking to you for the last 10 minutes.